resplendent in his velvet robes and the distinctive hat that marked him as a high mage, and thus a creature of wealth, rank, and power. Quite a hat it was, and Corellius held his scrawny neck very upright and stiff supporting it. A construction with a square brim as wide as his arm was long that curled up on the right and the left. It had three gold cords that knotted around the crown and trailed down his back, cords ending in bright golden tassels as long as Kellen's hand. Corellius's colors were purple and maroon, and they suited him vilely. Not only did the shades clash, they made him look as if he had a permanent case of yellow jaundice which condition was not at all improved by the waddles of his throat and the mottled jowls hanging down from his narrow vulpine jaw. His beady little eyes fastened on Kellen just long enough for Kellen to be certain the smirk on the thin lips was meant for him, then moved on, recognizing Kellen and dismissing him as a thing of no importance. Kellen flushed involuntarily which I am, of course. Father's position and glory hardly reflect on his so disappointing son. And if I were as properly ambitious as I'm supposed to be, I wouldn't be wandering around in the market in the first place. I'd be at my studies. The official ranks of magecraft progressed from the student at the very beginning of the discipline, through apprentice to journeyman to mage, to high mage. Kellen, as a student, was beneath Corellius's notice under the usual circumstances. But Kellen was no ordinary student. Not with the archmage Lysalon, head of the high council, and therefore lord of all the mages in the city, as his father. Kellen glowered at the high mage's back. There was no doubt in his mind Corellius had recognized him, even dressed as he was. How could he not, considering who Kellen's father was? That be a high mage, then, asked the stallholder, conversationally. Don't suppose you know which one? Kellen shrugged, not at all inclined to identify himself as someone who would know high mages on sight. He'd worn his oldest clothes into the city for just this reason. Maroon and purple, that's all I know, he replied untruthfully. Don't know why a high mage would be barging through the garden market, though. Wondered that myself. The stallholder shrugged, then lost interest in Corellius and Kellen, as a housewife squeezed out of the press, positioned herself under the man's red-striped awning, and began to pick over the carrots. Kellen moved on, taking a path at right angles to Corellius's progress. He didn't want to encounter the high mage again, but he also didn't want to fight his way through the wake of disturbance Corellius had left behind him. The garden market, with its permanent awnings that were fastened into the stone of the warehouse buildings behind them and unfurled every morning, was full every day. But other markets were open only once every Sunday, once a moon turn, or once a season. The Brewers and Vintners market was open today, though, over in Barrel Street, for instance. 
The brewers were in with spring beer today, which, along with the new crop of strawberries, probably accounted for the heavy traffic here in the market quarter. Probably accounts for Corellius, too. Kellen knew the high mage's tastes, thanks to overheard conversations among Lysalon and his friends. Corellius might pretend to favor wine, a much more sophisticated beverage than beer, but his pretense was as bogus as, as his apparent height. Just as he wore platform soles to his shoes, neatly hidden under the skirts of his robe to hide his true stature, his carefully cultivated reputation as a gourmet concealed coarser preferences. His drink of choice was the same beer his carpenter father had consumed, and the stronger, the better. He might have a reputation for keeping...